On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, pricing and specifications for the dual motor and performance Model 3 are here. Yes. Plus, Model 3's first big safety rating comes in. Production on Model 3 is ramping up nicely. I'll tell you just how nicely. Tesla wins a dealership battle in another state and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey joining you for episode 146, part two of sorts. I'll explain that in a second for uh, Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for May 20th, 2018. Uh, it is 1234 a.m. on Sunday morning. The show is due to go out wide to everyone in uh, less than six hours, less than five and a half hours. But Elon Musk uh, just... Well, just about an hour ago, I was I was in the movie theater seeing Deadpool 2 with a friend of mine. I'd bought tickets a month ago, so I picked a heck of a night for that. I get out of the movie and look, and sure enough, Elon has announced the pricing and the specs and some other details for the Model 3's all-wheel drive, the dual-motor car, and the performance car. So uh, I don't have any notes for this. I'm just gonna have uh, I'm just gonna riff a little bit off of Elon's tweets, which included some to me once again, uh, which I am extraordinarily, I just feel like I've, I've got the, uh, a, a horseshoe uh, or a lucky rabbit's foot or something, <laughs> something that's, that must be hiding in my office that I'm, that I'm not, even, not even realizing is there. Hugely exciting weekend here. Elon coming through on his promise to, to uh, start, uh, actually, I don't know as of now, as of me recording this, if orders, if he started taking the orders, he said, uh, let's see, late tonight, I got to find it here. Part, please pardon my, uh, the roughness of this a little bit because it's, uh, like I said, I'm just sort of flying by the seat of my pants at the last second here. The show was done. It went out to Patreon backers. You know, I got it done on Friday with the intention that I, I would just redo the beginning of it and re-edit it uh, if Elon did deliver the news that we were waiting for. He did at the really, on the almost literal 11th hour. So here I am kind of winging it a little bit. Uh, but he said, ah, uh, the, he said at uh, 11 p.m., 10.58 p.m., he said, I'm about to test the configurator and then it goes out to early reservation holders tonight. So it may be up. Uh, mine, I, you know, I'm, I'm a non-owner. Uh, I am an early reservation holder, but I'm, you know, non-owner, non-employee. I'm not in that group. So uh, we will see. Should have the answer for that in the morning, but this show's got to go out. So uh, I want to talk about this and I don't want to waste your time because I do have, there's a huge, just like an hour and plus, an hour plus of the rest of the podcast, of the rest of the week's Tesla news that, I, that I'd already done. So if this episode's a tad disjointed, uh, please forgive me. You know, again, it's not usually like this. This is extenuating circumstances. But I want to rewind the clock here and just walk you through this real quick. Actually, first, let me give you what you want to know. And that is, if you have not heard yet, the pricing and specifications for the dual motor Model 3 as well as the performance Model 3. So the dual motor car is uh, actually we'll, uh, well, it's zero to 60 in 4.5 seconds with a 310 mile range. So no benefit 
to dual motor the, the way that the S and the X do with those induction motors. Hold that thought for a second. But no penalty either. So the, the additional weight of that second motor uh, has been offset by, by the gains that they are making. So the same range, better performance. Obviously, you get the better handling, the better traction, uh, and the, um, the same range, better, better performance, and at 140 mile an hour top speed which none of us will ever see unless we happen to be on the Autobahn in Germany. Even then, it's probably not a thing you'd do on a regular basis. As for the big one, the Performance Model 3, I have to say, uh, we, you can go back and check the notes, but I, I pulled up my own Model 3 cost estimator spreadsheet that I'd made a while ago. I got, I was real close. Actually, my, my performance, the actual zero to 60, my estimate was close too. Remember I, I had been saying, I thought the theoretical max two, 2.8, uh, and I thought it would be, you know, the low end would be the, the, uh, mid threes. And that is exactly where it is. It's zero to 60 in 3.5 seconds for the performance model three with that very same 310 mile range. So what's interesting there, the performance version does not suffer any range penalty, which the other, the Performance S, the P100D S and X do suffer a bit of a performance, uh, pardon me, a bit of a range hit uh, compared to their non-performance cousins. So zero to 60 in 3.5 seconds, 310 mile range, and a 155 mile per hour top speed. And as for pricing, Elon saying the cost of all options, wheels, paint, etc., is included apart from autopilots, the only thing you can select. So they're just bundling the whole car with the performance. Cost is $78,000. He says about the same as a BMW M3, but 15% quicker and with better handling will beat anything in its class on the track. That's huge for a lot of people because the S and the X... Uh, do not fare super well on the track. They tend to, the, the induction motors tend to, uh, you know, things get tend to overheat and the cars don't last super long on the track. So this is really good news to performance enthusiasts who want to take the car out on the track. Uh, uh, and then there's another thing he mentioned here as well. And uh, that is, he says, uh, Black and white interior available only for Model 3 performance initially due to limited parts availability will broaden over time. And he went on to say, uh, where did he say this? Uh, sorry, again, it's uh, I'm winging it here. But he said, well, he said, we will start delivering the dual motor Model 3 in July. Uh, and then another person asked, now, about that white interior, how soon do you expect it to be available for non-performance models? This is what I was looking for. And Elon says, quote, three or four months, depending on demand level. We have enough for about 1,000 a week right now. So um, the performance, you will have the choice. Or I, well, I guess that's still not quite clear. Again, this may be cleared up by the time you hear this. And for, for that, I apologize if that's the case. But... Uh, he mentions black and white interior, which I had I had thought was indicative of a choice, black or white. Now, he did say black and white, but because uh, let me rewind you a little bit now to uh, him replying to me. So earlier Sunday or pardon me, earlier Saturday, you know, when we're all sitting here waiting on pins and needles 
for for him to follow up on his promise from last week to to start taking orders for the performance in the dual motor car. He said uh, at let's see what time this was 1:52 p.m. Pacific on Saturday. He says working on Model Three dual motor all wheel drive and performance versions. Driving feel is amazing. Aiming to release config late tonight. So I jumped in and asked him a question. I said, Elon, I suppose this will be answered one way or another eventually, but many in the Tesla community are curious of what the physical setup of performance in particular is, i.e., is it one smaller permanent magnet motor and one larger permanent magnet motor, or a large induction motor in the rear and a permanent magnet motor in the front? You remember I I brought that up. That was a Reddit thread that's been something that's been discussed a lot uh, because of the way that permanent magnet motors work and they function a bit differently than induction motors, that uh, it, it, you know, it might not be the ideal setup to have two permanent magnet motors in a, in a dual motor car. And Elon uh, actually replied to me and he gave me quite the specific answer. So he says, AC induction front and switched reluctance partial permanent magnet rear. Silicon carbide inverters in both performance drive units are lot sorted for highest sigma output and get double the burn-in. Uh, which, <laughs> you, if you need that explained to you, so did I. Basically, uh, he's saying, so it is, a, it is a Model S style motor, an, an induction motor in the front of the car, uh, which will be optimal for when you can torque sleep the other motor on the freeway. And then the permanent magnet motor that's in the car now, that's in the rear. So it's one of each. It's like a hybrid electric motor setup. Uh, the, I, the silicon carbide inverters, that's, uh, that's I guess, the, that's the, it's a, a higher, sort of better quality uh, drive unit which, of course, every Tesla has, regardless of what kind of motor is in it. And then uh, he's basically, for, for um, durability sake, uh, lo- you know, longevity sake, the drive units on the performance are, are sort of tested to, a, to an extra degree there. I replied to him, just you know, thanking him for that information, and uh, unprompted... He said, he replied to me again saying, also, carbon fiber spoiler, 20-inch performance wheels, black and white interior. So that's that, that black and white. Now, I had, I had suspected all of that stuff because you remember that I talked about Franz von Holzhausen's car and how I thought it was a sneak preview of the performance model. Turns out I was correct in that, in that assessment. Uh, Franz's car, as, as, if you hadn't looked it up, and I, I talked about it, it's it's got the Sonic Carbon, I, aka Dark Gray, 20-inch sport wheels. It's got the painted red calipers. It's got a carbon fiber spoiler on the back of it. So uh, sure enough, that car is indeed, by and large, a, a sneak peek of what the performance car will look like. Uh, and so uh, it was nice, but it was nice to hear him confirm my suspicions on those things, that those would be included with performance. But what was interesting to me, again, that uh, when he said black and white interior, I thought he was simply laying out the options, right? That it'd be black or white. But 
the fact that he, the way he used that again in the in the tweet that I read to you from later that night uh, about uh, now I gotta see, now I gotta find it again. This is why this is why I usually have show notes, people. So I'm not sitting here trying to find uh, what I need on on Elon's Twitter feed. But um, uh, goodness. In any case, so now I'm left to wonder. Does black and white interior, is he, is he saying, is he clarifying that it's the ultra-white interior, but that it's got the dark, the black headliner? Because uh, you remember, if you remember way back, the, the handful, the small handful of Tesla release candidate Model 3s that have been spotted with ultra-white interior in them have had the same light headliner material that's in the cars now, the black interior cars. And the, but in, in the Model S and the Model X, if you get the ultra white interior, it has the black headliner. And for me, I, lo- I love that look because it's, it's, in a, it's a beautiful contrast. If you've ever seen it in person, you can definitely look at pictures. It's, it's so much better in person, uh, particularly the white, the white seats themselves are so much bolder in person. But uh, I really liked the look of the of that contrasting black headliner with ultra white seats, and you know I the white looked no- yeah sure it looked it still looks nice in those release candidate Model Threes with the light headliner, but I just you know didn't quite think it it packed the same visual punch that same pop. So I would I wonder I guess I said I should find this out in the morning and I'll be able to potentially correct myself on next week's show, but. It's, I am thinking, based on his wording of how he's, he twice used black and white with an ampersand, like t- p- together, black and white, like a black and white cookie, uh, that it's, that it's ultra-white seats with black headliner, black interior trim. So, we will see what happens there. Uh, but this is huge. And then, yeah, I want to get back to the price real quick. So... $78,000 before, obviously before any tax incentives. And that's without autopilot. So if you were to check, if you were to order a performance car and get the full self-driving suite, that's $8,000 worth of autopilot. And that would take you to $86,000, which um, you may not believe me, but that's literally exactly, it's exactly what I had in my in my estimate, I had put uh, you know base model thirty five long range battery nine premium five autopilot all the stuff that's in there and then I had guessed sport wheels four red paint one dual motor four turns out I was off it's five uh, he's Elon I want I don't want to say he w- went back on his word but he had he had said long ago back in twenty sixteen that the dual motor would cost less on Model 3 than it does than it did on the S and the X before it became standard in the S. Uh, actually, it's always been standard in the X. Uh, so, and it, w- it was a $5,000 option. So I had thought, I'd, this whole time, I thought it would be a $4,000 option. It is five. But, uh, but yeah, and I had, I had $20,000 tagged as my guesstimate for performance, which would include the... Uh, the spoiler and the you know your red your red brake the red brake calipers come with it and then I I, I was like hey was the spoiler going to cost a thousand dollars extra or five hundred bucks extra no they've lumped it in with performance so I was actually 
dead on. <laughs> dead on. So that's kind of cool. Uh, so 86 with everything, 83 if you just take enhanced autopilot, which I suspect a lot of people will do uh, rather than spend the extra three on the full self-driving. So that means uh, you are under $80,000. Let's, let's say you're doing performance and you're doing enhanced autopilot, but not self-driving, full self-driving. So that's, you're sitting at 83. Uh, after, after your uh, rebate, you're down into the 70s. And if you're in California, as I am, that's, you're getting a total of 10,000 off. So you're down from 83 to $73,000. Um, so not bad. I mean, it's three and a half seconds does not threaten the Model S does not threaten the, you know, as far as the P100D, doesn't threaten the P100DS or X, but it's pretty darn quick. It beats the original Roadster. Uh, it beats any, any of the other S's and X's. So it becomes the third quickest car uh, that Tesla makes, period, or has ever made, until the Roadster rolls around. But yeah, so it's, uh, it's going to be a quick car. It's going to be a fun car. Elon says it's going to be awesome. It's going to beat anything in its class on the track, which is cool to hear. Uh, but this is huge. Uh, I, yeah, I, I cannot wait to, to get to order mine. Um, I might, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not my design studio. I'm not in there yet. Cause I'm, you know, I'm in the back of the plane as far as, uh, as far as priority goes, you know, I did, of course, you know, I got my March 31st reservation I camped out for, but I'm still, you know, I'm in, I'm in, I'm flying coach on this one, but, um, we'll see. I, I may, I may, I will have some more information for you on all of this next week. But again, I did want to, to get all of this out to you. Let me just go through more of Elon's tweets one more time. Cause he, he spent some significant time dropping some, some pretty, uh, important knowledge on Twitter. I've shared some of it already. Um, but it will be, so the, the, I guess the one question, I guess, and the, again, you'll probably know this by the time you hear this, so I don't want to waste time, but the 20-inch performance wheels, again, I, I presume those are going to be the Sonic Carbon, the dark gray ones that were on Franz's car that I was just talking about, as opposed to the silver ones that are available for purchase on Tesla's site to, you know, with a, you know then that price includes installation and that extra you know, suspension bit that they have to put on for you. But I'm guessing the performance model is going to have a Sonic Carbon 20-inch uh, sport wheel. And that is, that's what I would pick, personally. Everybody's different, right? Everybody's got their own choices. So uh, there's that. Uh, what else can I tell you? Ah, he says, just on a different topic, shifting gears for a second, will soon enable Tesla owners to request service from their phone with a few taps. Tesla Ranger will come to you to take care of your car. No need to bring the car on yourself and zero paperwork. Uh, and that sounds pretty cool. And he, he says, uh, it's only slightly more expensive to Tesla, same price to car owners, but owner happiness is way higher, so worth doing. So that's cool. That's a neat thing that's coming down the pipe here very soon. Uh, then he talked a little bit about how you know, just this is all stuff you guys know about how if if one motor did happen to fail, the car can still operate just fine with the second motor. Uh, but again, yeah, he I let's see, and I told you about the again that second that black and white black and white interior available only for Model Three performance initially due to limited parts availability will broaden over time. 
uh, yeah, and a little a little more detail or a little more generalization actually rather than detail. Tesla dual motor means there is a motor in the front, motor in the front and a motor in the rear. One is optimized for power, that would be the rear one, and one for range. Car drives fine, even if a motor breaks down, helps ensure you make it to your destination and don't get stuck on the side of the road in potentially unsafe conditions. Uh, anything else to share with you here? Uh, I told you that. Ah, and he just reinforces, this person asks, if I pre-ordered a Tesla dual motor today or ASAP, when would the roughly estimated arrival be? And Elon says, depends on when you placed your initial reservation, we start delivering the dual motor Model 3 in July. So there is that, and that's pretty much it. So that's, uh, that's it. I've been rattling on for 20 minutes about this. I know I'm excited. It's, it's 12.54 a.m., <laughs> I have to get this show edited and out to you, uh, and I have to get to bed, for goodness sake. So, oh, man. But um, heck of a night, heck of a day. Uh, just been waiting. We've, I've been waiting so long, so long to get this information, and it's so great to finally have it. Most of the details in place now. It's just a matter of trying to get my hands on a car. I mean, that is this is what I've been waiting for, the all-wheel drive, uh, hopefully the performance. i got to run the numbers one more time. We shall see. And just, just trying to get my hands on it. But uh, this is great. I hope you guys are as excited as I am. If I, by the way, if I don't sound excited, it's because my wife is sleep. My wife and daughter are, is, are sleeping upstairs. Um, my, my daughter's even having a sleepover tonight. So there's a, there's a friend here. So I'm just, I'm trying to contain my voice a little bit. So again, I'm, I'm rambling a little now. I'm going to stop. I'm going to move. I'm going to transition you you're, again, the, the edit might be a little weird because, uh, you know, I'm recording this at 12.55 a.m. versus the rest of the show that you're about to hear was recorded at a more normal hour with a more <laughs> under different circumstances. So um, this is awesome. I'll have more next week, but I wanted to do everything I could to get this information out to you now uh, so that it's not a week old by the time, you know, next week's show rolls around. So um, thank you all for listening to this. This again, oh God, 21 minutes. <laughs> I've been going for 21 minutes. So, uh, with that on with the rest of the show, first up this week, some good news for model three's safety rating. You'll recall back at March 31st, 2016 at the model three unveiling, Elon said they expected five star ratings in every category and they expected the model three to be one of the safest cars on the road. Well, the first independent, or I should say, independent slash third-party metric uh, for that has come through from the IIHS, which is the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. They've given the Model Three a couple of assessments. They've given it, given it, pardon me, an A on its headlights. Now, unfortunately, that doesn't quite mean the top rating. Uh, it is A for acceptable, not the top rating of G for good. But uh, the Model S was issued a P for poor on its headlights. So Model 3 getting uh, a better rating on its headlights than Model S. And then on front crash protection, getting into much more uh, vital, I guess you'd call that maybe an active safety feature, uh, it gets a superior rating, uh, which is the same as the Model S. The Model S, of course, an extraordinarily safe vehicle, arguably, uh, maybe not even arguably, it is the safest vehicle 
on the road. So as I said, this, this is the first significant third-party safety rating to be announced for the Model 3. So we are, we will be just as safe as the Model S. And Elon replied, quote, time will tell, but so far it appears so. Uh, also, with regard to the headlights specifically, that, that uh, A for acceptable rating on Model 3, the eye test really does back this up. Pretty much all Model 3 owners who are also Model S owners have noted the improvement in headlight brightness and illumination when moving from the Model S to the Model 3. So as, as sort of on a side-by-side, -side, the Model 3 stack up very well. Uh, both on the eye test and now according to the IIHS. So good stuff there from Model 3. Hopefully more excellent safety ratings are yet to come from the NHTSA and others. Speaking of Model 3, big story this week, really the biggest story outside of those performance and dual motor specifications and, and uh, pricing we're waiting on, the production ramp for the Model 3 continues to get steeper and yes, I mean that in a good way. That means that line is getting <laughs> more and more vertical as production ramps, which is a good thing. This is according to a company email Musk obtained by Electrek. Tesla now sitting at 3,500 Model 3s produced per week as of right now, as of this past week. Elon saying in an excerpt from the email, quote, it is looking quite likely that we will exceed 500 vehicles per day across all Model 3 production zones this week, end quote. Obviously, you do the math on that, that means 3,500 cars per week, as I said, because we know that Tesla is now operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the key there, of course, the key in that statement is all Model 3 production zones. That means everything, every aspect of production. It's not just the battery pack production assembly. It is everything. And we're in mid-May here. So that would seem to bode well for the goal of getting to 5,000 cars per week produced in July, which of course means options introduced into the production line. You get a choice of one motor or two, you get a choice of performance or not, and you get a choice of black interior white. That is what we are all waiting for, or many of us are waiting for, are those choices, those options, a little variety into the production line. So let's go 5,000. Fingers crossed that they uh, are indeed targeting, or they're indeed uh, on track for that in July. Anecdotally, at least from the outside here, it sure seems like they're in pretty good shape uh, towards that goal. More good news coming to you this week in the world of Tesla, and it's specific to the state of Utah. I want to thank uh, listener Patrick from Utah for keeping me updated on this and sending this in. Tesla has won another battle in that war with the dealers associations of I'm about to read to you. Tesla issuing a statement on the passage of the law in Utah that allows them to sell their vehicles directly to manufacturers. Tesla saying, quote, Tesla sells its cars directly to consumers to educate them on our technology and ensure the best possible customer experience. The passing of the House bill is a win for Utah consumers who can now purchase a Tesla in their home state. On KSL.com, 
their excerpt reads as follows. The House bill, sponsored by Representative Kim Coleman, a Republican from the West Jordan District, is now tailored to newer companies like Tesla that have different business models and will allow the car maker to operate a dealership to a certain point. A quote, The challenge we had was that the various stakeholders, including Tesla and their business people, consumers, the Automobile Dealers Association, new car dealers, used car dealers, consumer protection groups, and all these different folks had different ideas of what a new model ought to look like, according to Senator Kurt Bramble, a Republican from Provo, who was also the floor sponsor of this bill. Uh, Senator Bramble saying, quote, So it took us literally a couple of years to pass this bill. Uh, As KSL notes, the legislature will try to continue accommodating companies with new business models that may not work with past legislation. Uh, Senator Bramble saying, there has to be a balance between protecting consumers, protecting local businesses, and providing the opportunities for the manufacturers or the producers of the vehicle. That's a hard-fought balancing act that we need to maintain. Uh, I want to give credit to the lawmakers here for acting sensibly and in the more most importantly of all in the best interest of your constituents so credit to you for that uh, and a credit to all of you out there who continued to make your voices heard on this issue in the state of utah and i know there are plenty of you out there doing so in other states i say this every time one of these comes up i firmly believe very very strongly believe the war will be won on a battle by battle basis you can mark another one off the map. Another, another territory has, has uh, been checked off. And so the war against these dealers associations in order for Tesla to be able to legally sell their cars direct to consumers, which sure seems like a simple thing, but nothing ever is, unfortunately. But another victory here. Great stuff. Here's one that just came in at the tail end last week. I had such a packed show, I didn't have time to fold it in, so I wanted to to talk a little bit about it here. Tesla's vice president of engineering, Doug Field, is taking a leave of absence from the company. These are via reports from Bloomberg and the Wall Street Journal. Uh, CNBC got a quote saying, a Tesla spokesperson told CNBC that, quote, Doug is just taking some time off to recharge and spend time with his family. He has not left Tesla. Uh, The Wall Street Journal had reported that Doug Field's absence would be temporary. So they were were on that and Tesla corroborating that with their statement. Uh, CNBC notes, however, Tesla declined to answer CNBC's questions about when he was expected to return. Now, Elon had told employees as you'll recall very recently, that there would be a flattening of management structure at the company, uh, which this no doubt factors into. Uh, You'll recall he did mention that, uh, or pardon me, he mentioned that this was coming, that the the reorg was coming. He mentioned that uh, in that leaked company email from a few weeks ago. Uh, So hopefully Doug is going to uh, rest up, recharge. I briefly met him one time. I did have a, a brief but excellent encounter with Mr. Doug Field because it was at the Model 3 reveal event and Doug was the one that was behind the wheel on my test ride in the Silver Alpha prototype. Uh, he was very nice. He answered all my questions. Some of you may remember the, the, the video of that test ride 
made its way onto YouTube, and you can hear me asking questions about the roof options of the car, and I forget what I think I asked about. Did I ask about? I forget. It's been a while, but it's a long ways back at this point. A lot of Tesla things have happened between now and then, but uh, I will note one other thing. For those of you worried here that like, oh man, another, you know, this is another executive, this is a leave of absence that doesn't sound so great. As my friend and long-time, long-time Tesla owner and him, and I would, I would call her, uh, I would very kindly and lovingly call her an ambassador to Tesla, Bonnie Norman noted on, on her Twitter account that, remember, Jerome Guillen also took a leave of absence and eventually came back to the company, refreshed, recharged. And what did Jerome do? He went and uh, he's now leading the Tesla Semi program, which has uh, been off to an excellent success thus far. Uh, in fact, a Twitter follower of mine, uh, on a just semi-related note here, a Twitter follower of mine uh, I wish I'd written down the name. I apologize if you're out there. Had uh, sent me a, a tweet saying, "Hey, is this? Did I just run into? The, did I just look, see the Tesla Semi? Like, and it's a, a picture of a, a, it going by. And sure enough, yeah, it's the silver one. <laughs> so uh, they're out there. The the they're getting lots of reservations, lots of deposits for the Tesla Semi. So it it definitely uh, a leave of absence is not automatically a bad sign. And you know, Doug Doug Field, he's had a heck of a of a time at Tesla as far as workload. You know, he came in, what, two to three years ago, I think, um, and not, I think not long before Model 3 was unveiled. And so, you know, he's, he's had to get the whole program as the head of engineering, he's had to get the whole program moving, get that, get the car built. And it's been a lot and they're, you know, they're getting them built now. So here is hoping that uh, if you'll pardon the phrase, Given the, given the fact that we're talking about Tesla here, uh, here's hoping that Doug gets to recharge his batteries. Thank you, folks. I'll be here all week. Be sure to tip your server. I'll see you next time. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so not necessarily bad at all. Hopefully, Mr. Field gets recharged. Speaking of the Wall Street Journal, they also reported this week that uh, Tesla rejected the idea, or the, the, the actual, not the idea necessarily, but Tesla rejected the process of incorporating eye-tracking technology into Autopilot, both before Autopilot launched and since its release. According to the Wall Street Journal, quote, long before the fatal crash of a Tesla car in March, that would be the, uh, the Model X crash, there have only been, there have been two, one in an S and one in an X, Long before the fatal crash of a Tesla car in March, some developers of the vehicle's autopilot system expressed concern there weren't enough safeguards to ensure drivers remained attentive, people familiar with the discussion said. Tesla's engineers repeatedly discussed adding sensors that would ensure drivers look at the road or keep their hands on the wheel both before and after the driver assistance system was introduced in 2015, those people said. And according to this report, it was rejected for cost reasons. Now, Elon Musk, as he is wont to do, took to Twitter to refute this. He says, quote, this is false. Eye tracking was rejected for being ineffective, not for cost. Wall Street Journal fails to mention that Tesla is the safest car on the road, which would make the article ridiculous, approximately four times better than average. Well, 
I mean, I, he's he's right and wrong there, in my humble opinion. He's not wrong with those safety figures. The Teslas are incredibly safe vehicles, but uh, it's it's it doesn't negate the need to report that if you know if uh, if that is indeed the case, as it, as it sounds, as Elon confirms it was that they were considering eye tracking technology as part of this forward thinking uh, driver assistance system. That Wall Street Journal has every right. I mean, that's that's relevant information that that certainly I like to know. I I, I feel good about knowing that uh, in the sense of that they're exploring that option and and that they chose not to pursue it. Now, interestingly, here Cadillac is is incorporating eye tracking technology into their Super Cruise system. I have not had a chance to try that out, but it must work on some level that GM is clearly satisfied enough with to put it in their cars. But nevertheless, I mean, this is one of those cases where, for me, Elon and Tesla do get the benefit of the doubt. And I'm certainly going to take Elon at his word in that it and that the eye tracking was uh, was ineffective to, to Tesla, according to Tesla's standard. I mean... I have to say, if it if it did have that, if Teslas did have a mandatory eye tracking technology as part of autopilot, I honestly wouldn't mind, really, because if it's just if it's checking to make sure that my eyes are on the road, I have no problem with that because you really shouldn't be looking away at all with autopilot. Yes, it's nice to to rest your your arms, you know, have maybe have your arms in your in your lap, uh, ready. I mean, you're you're not supposed to. You're supposed to have your hands on the wheel. But uh, I think it's, I don't think I'm out of line by saying most people that use autopilot have, are probably uh, not keeping their hands on the wheel at all times. But your eyes certainly need to stay on the road to be able to react to, to anything that, that might come up. And um, Tesla's not wrong to, to, to state that you need to keep your eyes and, on the road and hands on the wheel. That is, that is the safest way um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting that the Tesla had this, or at least they looked at it, I should say, and, and chose to reject it. I wonder if it's a thing that they could incorporate at some point in the future. I wonder if the Model 3's interior facing camera that's built into the rear view mirror, if that could possibly be used for this in some way. I don't know the technological capabilities of that camera, um... You know, it's it's it is basically at the driver's eye level. So theoretically, it could hopefully I would think be uh, technologically capable enough to be checking and verifying that your eyes are on the road. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens with that. Next up this week, let's get back to fun stuff. Two more new options snuck their way into the Model S this week. First, the return of ventilated seats, and secondarily, for the very first time since they were initially introduced as referral program prizes a couple years back, the arachnid wheels are now finally for sale, but only on the P100D. They are exclusive. These are, these are options exclusive to the P100D for right now. Uh, and the arachnids, I should note, are only available in black. So if you happen to have a set of silver ones from the referral program, those are the true exclusives now. Those are the ones that are, are legit exclusive. 
What I like about this is not only the option itself, it's great to have a, a second 21-inch wheel option, but they're the same price as the twin turbine option, which uh, if you, by the way, if you haven't looked at the, at the design studio, you know, I, I know I talked about the twin turbines when they first went into the design studio a couple months ago. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a slight tweak on that classic turbine that they've been using since, since the Model S released in 2012. Uh, oddly, though, say I, I live here in the Bay Area. I, I work in San Francisco. So I see, you know, you guys know, I see a ton of Teslas on a daily basis. I actually, I have yet to see this new twin turbine design with my own eyes. I've not seen it on a car in real life. I, I've only ever seen it as a render in the design studio. So I'm, I'm curious to see uh, how, it, how it looks on the car in, in the metal, you know, in real life. But anyway, uh, if you happen to be shopping for a P100D out there, know this, the arachnids are lighter. They are a lighter wheel than the, than the turbines. So if you'd like to get even an eyelash more performance out of your P100D, the arachnids are the way to go for you. Now, as for the ventilated seats, you'll recall perhaps that they had them. Tesla was using them. The early Model Xs had them. The S had them for a bit, but they disappeared about two years ago. Uh, after reports, uh, and even Elon, I think, acknowledged that they weren't holding up very well. Uh, I would presume now that these new ones, now that they're back, that they have been reinforced, if not possibly completely redesigned entirely on the inside. You know, they still have the same the same appearance on the outside. But uh, anyway, I I would expect as well uh, this being you know. The, the arachnids, okay, I can understand those being a P100D exclusive option. There's no technical limitation to restricting them to P100D, but I could see why Tesla would do it. The ventilated seats, on the other hand, I would expect that the P100D exclusivity there is probably temporary. I, I think they... Uh, will probably filter down to the 75D and the 100D in time, simply because Tesla's done it before. M most likely, Tesla has to clear out the existing inventory of non-ventilated premium seats in order to then bring in, bring the, you know, get those cleared out so that you can be putting the ventilated seats in all of them. And as such, since they're ventilated, well, they have to do something, right? They're they're probably going to have a cooling function, which is what the original. Uh, per, uh, I was going to say perforated seats, but um, is that really the... I guess that's that's uh, that's probably the... Ventilated is a, a nicer way. Perforated just sounds like someone poked holes in it, but anyway. Um, so yeah, I would expect to see a cooling option for the Model S and X seats come back via a software update at some point soon, presumably because, as Daisy the Boxer Puppy shakes off over there, presumably because the hardware for cooling is now in those new, uh, those new ventilated seats. Speaking of seats, yeah, I'm just, I'm segue-tastic this week. I tried to, it's always fun to segue when you can. The Model 3 seats got a much less obvious tweak that was made public this week. In fact, it's so subtle as to almost 
look like it's a trick of the eye, but they are slightly different. It's not the shape of them. It's not the color yet. Uh, you know, no white ones as of this recording, but it's, uh, it appears that they, they sort of move the stitching in a, on the, the on the bolsters on the sides. It's it, it would appear that they maybe upgraded that bolstering on the flanks, like where your you know on the back of where your where your flanks would be, as well as uh, some reinforcements, a little bit of a change on the seat bottom, as well. It it's really nothing major. I and I was looking on on the Tesla Motors Reddit of a of a side by side picture. And I, even I could barely tell the difference. Like it's, it's extraordinarily subtle. If it had not been pointed out to me, I don't think I ever would have noticed it. And you guys know me. I'm, I'm, I'm eagle-eyed with this stuff. I, I like to, to uh, be zooming in and and taking notice of everything. But yeah, this is pretty subtle. So if you have not yet taken delivery of your Model Three, you will be getting this new seat, which uh, I guess we can, we can just go ahead and colloquially call version 1.1 of the Model 3 seat. So look for that in your Model 3 when you take delivery. Finally this week, I wanted to end on not only yet another good story, but a a really great story. I want to give a shout out to my friend and definitely a friend of this podcast, Ben Sullins of the Teslanomics YouTube channel. Ben you may have heard about this because it actually got picked up in a lot of mainstream news outlets. Uh, remember the CBS This Morning report from, gosh, I guess that must be a month ago already, talking about Elon Musk sleeping at the factory, and they actually showed the conference room where he sleeps and showed the couch, and um, Gail King was was uh, sort of asking him about the couch, and Elon was saying that it's a really super crappy, stiff couch, it's not comfortable at all, and sometimes he even sleeps on the floor. Well, uh, Ben launched a GoFundMe to raise money to get Elon Musk a new couch for when he sleeps at, this, at the Tesla factory. And get this, Ben and, his, and the community raised over $9,000, uh, none of which went to a couch, and all of which was doubled because of, uh, of the couch company and Elon Musk himself. Uh, there's, a, there, there's actually a, a news release about this, and I'll, I'll read you an excerpt here. Quote, the money raised was left untouched because furniture company Wayfair kicked in with a high-end couch as a contribution instead. What followed was the surprise doubling of the funds by Elon Musk, which will help residents of Nepal get back on their feet amid the after effects of a massive earthquake in 2015. The support goes through UK-based charity Renewable World, whose members aim at fighting poverty through renewable energy. And Elon even uh, shouted out Ben on Twitter saying, quote, wow, thanks for the couch. I will match the donation from my foundation. So if you were a part of this, bravo to you. Just a, a tip of the cap to Ben and just the Tesla community at large. That's the kind of thing that uh, makes the Tesla community special. It's the kind of thing we, you know, we all want to see, we love to see. So bravo to everybody involved there, including Wayfair, including Elon. Uh, great stuff. And on top of it all, Elon does have a better couch to sleep on in that conference room now. Let, I mean, let's hope he doesn't need to sleep on the, on the factory anymore, on the factory couch the conference room. 
All right. That wraps it up for the news this week. Plenty of hotline calls for you. Queued up, ready to go right after this. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, where we get your questions, your comments, your discussion topics. I love this part of the show. I've got a bunch of good ones lined up. As always, thanks to all of you for continuing to call in, uh, sending in your questions. You can do that two easy ways, one of two easy ways. You can either call the toll-free Ride the Lightning Hotline and just leave a message by dialing 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. Or you can use your smartphone's built-in voice recorder uh, software, record something, and then email that file to me here at the podcast email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. For the hotline, I want to thank lifeonrecord.com for continuing to provide that. If you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Let's kick things off with Pete in Carmel, who mentions something he heard about Autopilot on an NPR interview. Uh, let's hear about this from Pete. Hello, Ryan. This is Pete from Carmel. I just wanted to chime in about Autopilot. I was listening to another podcast, a well-regarded podcast uh, from NPR, and they were interviewing a woman who was an ex-fighter pilot, and she now works for a company that develops self-driving software. And she was very critical about the current sort of level two technology, although she didn't really mention Tesla by name. I think obviously that was... uh, some targeted uh, commentary by her, but she stated that currently we have the worst of all scenarios because we're asking people to jump in uh, and take control of the car when there's an adverse situation. And in that situation, there's a higher risk of getting into some major fatal accident. Um, And she obviously works for a company that's developing software for level four and above driving. She thinks that there shouldn't be any uh, automatic uh, functions until level four. But uh, I think she's ignoring Tesla's data. It seems to me the last time I checked that the safety of Tesla's current autopilot suite is 2x better than a human. I've used autopilot extensively for the last two years owning my Model S. And I will say as long as you use it as instructed, and you're paying attention. It's a very relaxing experience. I drove home last night. I was tired, 11 o'clock at night, and just the ability to sit back and watch the road, not have to steer, and uh, just being able to take it all in, it was very, very easy and I think safer in many ways. So I'd like to get your thoughts uh, on this subject. Thanks again. You hit the nail on the head here, Pete. If you use it as intended... I don't want to get too tinfoil hat conspiracy theory on anyone here, but I'll say this because I have touched on it before. Tesla is on the cusp of real, proper, and permanent profitability, in my humble opinion, at which point they will effectively become untouchable by the dealership groups, by the Fudsters, by the competition, etc. So all I'm saying is, We can't rule out, or all right, at least 
I can't rule out the possibility that all of these vastly overblown autopilot crash stories, and, and I'm, by the way, just to clarify, I'm not talking about the Model X fatality in Mountain View. That's a, that's a serious situation that, that merits the attention it's getting. But I'm talking about all these other things that just keep popping up where any little thing is reported on and shouted far and wide, with usually with a sensationalist headline, uh, I cannot rule out that those things are part of a coordinated effort to try and to try and hurt Tesla as much as possible, as some sort of last gasp effort to try and keep Tesla from achieving ultimate success. Elon himself even called out the ridiculousness of a lot of this. Uh, from the media side this past week. He tweeted, quote, It's super messed up that a Tesla crash resulting in a broken ankle is front page news and the approximately 40,000 people who died in U.S. auto accidents alone in the past year get almost no coverage. And he's right about that. I I think he's right about that. But anyway, back back to my original point here. Uh, just jumping off of what you said near the end of your call, Pete, and that is, if used properly, I think we are approaching the point, fair or not, and maybe it should be this way anyway, honestly, I don't know, where Tesla may have to make you jump through more hoops before enabling autopilot, before allowing you to use it. Maybe something like a one-time mandatory instructional video that plays on the car's screen before autopilot will unlock, you know, maybe something like that. I don't know. I, I mean, I can't wait to get my Model 3 for a million reasons, but one of the biggest ones is autopilot. I can't wait to start using it because here in the Bay Area, the, the primary way to get around, I mean, the, the, the Bay Area, especially, you know, with, with the Bay in the middle, Everything's very north-south oriented. The peninsula, you know, from up from San Jose up to San Francisco, it's north-south. The the East Bay from you know San Jose up around to Oakland and then up north north into the Marin. It's all very uh, north-south oriented, except the bridges, which of course cut across. And so all that, it's all freeway. We have this massive freeway system, this freeway network, and I can't wait to start using autopilot on that to help uh, make that drive a little safer and a little more relaxing. So the thing is, it is safer to use it for exactly the kind of reason that you pointed out, Pete. If you're going home late at night and you're just a little tired, now I'm not saying you're dangerously impaired or anything like that. You shouldn't be driving at all. That's autopilot's not a solution to that. But, you know, if you're just a little, little tired, it's, you know, end of a long day. That autopilot radar system, well, when autopilot's active, it might detect something and it might start breaking for you half a second before you would have done so. And maybe that prevents an accident. Maybe that prevents an injury. Uh, good stuff, Pete. Thank you for your call. Let's go next to our, our uh, new friend. Matthew from Colorado is back who uh, wants to talk about something from that Tesla 2018 quarterly all hands video that I talked about last week with the, it had the matte black model three in it. So Matthew, you are back on the air. Hey Ryan, it's Matthew here again from Colorado. 
I just wanted to let you know about the Tesla video that you mentioned in your last podcast. What do you think it is under that blanket, that car? What is that car? Is it the Model Y? Is it a Model 3? Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And I wanted to add on to Greg from Wisconsin about the lock and unlock from your phone. What if it could vibrate the phone when it locks and unlocks to let you know that it actually locked when you walked away? Just wanted to let you know. Thanks. Love your podcast. Bye. Great to hear from you again, Matthew. Let me address your second thing first, and that is your idea about vibrating your phone to indicate a lock or unlock of your car. Because Matthew, that, my friend, is an absolutely brilliant idea. So It's so brilliant that I'm actually wondering if it already exists. This is one of those things where once I have my Model 3, I'll be able to test it for myself. But I can't right now, so... It just, that seems like it's too good to not already be a thing. Uh, but I'm going to I'm gonna assume that it doesn't, or else I'm not sure that Greg would have needed to call in about it in the first place. But this is another one of those ideas that should be added to the app feature list yesterday as an option that you can go ahead and just toggle within the Tesla app. So Matthew, great idea there. I love that. Now, as to the half-assembled car under the tarp from that Tesla 2018 quarterly all-hands video. I didn't address it last week, both uh, out of time, time concerns, but mostly because I wasn't sure if I'd be able to say anything constructive or thought-provoking about it. It's very much a teaser. It is very much a, is this even anything? Like, it's, it is there to seemingly as almost like an Easter egg, to get us hardcore fans thinking about it. But um, if, if anybody out there, by the way, hasn't watched that video yet, it's the, it's, again, it's that Tesla 2018 video that I talked about last week, the, the one that featured the matte black Alpha Model 3. It, there is a quick shot of a white car that is half assembled underneath a tarp, like mostly underneath a tarp. I can tell you, see, here's the thing. What I can tell you, from having been around Tesla for a long time now, is that in the early days of the Tesla factory, I'm talking the early Model S days, you would see those kinds of things around in the Tesla factory, just like half-finished cars under t partial tarps. Like, Because I'd, I'd gotten a chance from some friends to, uh, to be in there a few times in the early days, and it was very cool to, uh, to be in there. But... Anyway, so so I've seen stuff like that before, but the question is, is obviously, what was it? Like, was it a Model S? Was it a Model 3? So I don't know. I, I, I just went after your call. I went and stared at it again for a couple minutes. If, you, if you're curious, it's at the 15-second mark of the video if you go look at it on Tesla's YouTube channel. I have to say, I think it's just an S. I, I really do, and I, I know a lot of people may disagree with me on that, and that's great. Like, let's have a let's let's see if we can figure it out together. But the wheels look like turbines. The general shape of it looks pretty Model S ish. The roof line, I don't know. Maybe it looks a little high to be an S. I don't know. The the rear of the car just isn't there 
So we, we don't really get anything out of that. So it's tough to tell from the back. Could it be a Model Y? Yeah, maybe. It, it, it might be. But it would seem to be sitting... Here's the reason I don't think it's a Y. It seems like it's, it's sitting way too low for that. Like it's sitting car height. It's not even... It's like sitting S height. It's not even up a little at all. Like which, which, is, which a crossover, which an SUV, even a small SUV would be. Although, it, it, if it turns out that this is the Model Y, uh, then one thing is for sure. I'll have been proven right on my prediction from long ago when I said that the Falcon Wing doors will, will have been ditched on the Model Y. Because if, if you remember way back, way back, Elon Musk originally tweeted saying that the Model Y would have Falcon Wing doors. So... We'll see. This will be a fun one. Just, yeah, put a bookmark on this and let's come back to it in uh, whatever it's going to be, six months, nine months when this car gets unveiled, probably. Uh, Great stuff, Matthew. Thank you so much for your call once again. Next is Damon from Northbrook uh, calling in response to a a previous caller about Model 3 wheel options uh, of the aftermarket variety. Damon, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Damon out of Northbrook again, calling about your most recent episode where a caller asked about Tesla Model 3 and wheels. If you go to TireRack.com, you can find 19-inch wheels, uh, a number of different styles and colors, uh, starting as cheap as about $500 a set. That's without tires, but um, significantly less than the Tesla store. Uh, Also, regarding the Tesla and video games, or the Model 3 and video games, if you search... GTA 5, uh, Tesla Model 3, you can find that there's plenty of mods that allow that car in there. Uh, everything from the new Roadster to the Model X with the working Falcon Wing doors. So they're out there for sure. Lastly, I had called some time ago expressing my interest in getting a used Model X. But, um, they just aren't coming down in price. The Teslas are really holding their value well. So uh, I am looking at a Model 3 now just as a stopgap until the Model Xs come down. It's a little backwards from my original plan to start with the big family car and then get a small, sporty, fun one to cruise around in. But either way, it's all going to end up good in the end. So thanks for all you do and take care. Talk to you later. Thanks for that, Damon. I had no doubt that there'd be wheels aplenty, and I'm I'm happy to hear that it's already happened. I mean, I guess I suppose I shouldn't be surprised, since it's not like the Model 3 has a funky wheel size where wheel manufacturers would have to make wheels that are only for the Model 3. Uh, I guess it's a little weird for me because <laughs> my brain is programmed this way to, to expect weirdness, because the DeLorean actually was like that by virtue of it being a sports car from 1981 it had offset tires of 14 inch wheels in the front and big old wide 15s in the back which obviously nobody makes that <laughs> nobody makes wheels in that size let alone or tires that's the that was of course the much bigger bugaboo for it still is for delorean owners but anyway uh Thank you, too, for mentioning Grand Theft Auto V, because, yes, indeed, there are a million mods for the PC version of GTA V. So if you do 
need a Tesla fix in a video game while you wait for Forza or Gran Turismo or Project Cars to develop their next game, which will presumably have the Model 3, maybe even the, the 2020 Roadster in it. The GTA 5 community on PC uh, ha clearly has you covered. Next this week, our friend DJ in North Central Ohio with a quick correction for me from uh, last week's show, which I always appreciate getting educated via correction. DJ, take it away. Hey, Ryan. Uh, DJ in lovely North Central Ohio again, calling you on a rainy, nasty Ohio day for my Model S. Uh, let me give you a call in regards to your response to Matthew's question on the show here. Uh, when you said that autopilot will automatically change your speed, uh, that is not the case, except for in one situation that I'm aware of. Um, if you are on a surface road, meaning not a divided highway, and you are you happen to be going over the speed limit far further than you're supposed to, or the speed limit suddenly drops, uh, the car will not allow you to go more than five miles per hour over the speed limit on autopilot on a non-divided highway, and it will automatically drop your speed uh, to make that happen. So, but yeah, if, if you didn't actually just happen right here, I just passed a, I was doing 70, and I dropped down to a 55 here. I passed that sign. I watched the pinnacle acknowledge that I passed that sign and kept on driving. So, I'm going to throw that out there uh, as a correction. As always, love the show. Keep it up. Later. Thank you for this correction, DJ. I suppose the open highway versus non-divided highway is an important difference. Hopefully these are the kinds of little errors that I'll make a lot less often once I'm driving my own Tesla every day. And, and again, this is why I appreciate my audience, because yes, I do my best to research uh, and give the correct information, but I know that you guys have my back if I happen to get something mixed up. So cheers, DJ. Thank you so much. Let's go now to Keaton from Texas, a newish listener, uh, talking about the next-gen Roadster's tiny little screen that I was talking about from that Tesla 2018 video last week. Go ahead. Hey, Ryan. This is Kendon from Texas. I'm a fairly new listener to the podcast, and I'm just now getting interested in everything Tesla. Uh, I just wanted to add a comment to your recent podcast uh, talking about the screen on the Roadster's dashboard. Uh, from some recent videos that I've seen, that's a G-sensor and a speedometer. If your listeners can uh, confirm otherwise, that'd be great because, like I said, I'm just now getting into this Tesla stuff. But that's what I've seen uh, from my research. Uh, anyways, keep up the great work. I love everything you do at IGN. I'm loving the podcast so far. So, thanks. Kevin, welcome to the podcast and thank you for calling in. Uh, I figured it had to be a speedometer, but yeah, if it if it's a G sensor as well, that that would be kind of crazy, but also pretty darn cool. If uh, if indeed you're you're correct about that, because I could see that being useful while Tesla is developing and testing the car, given the fact that the car's entire goal is to destroy all their hypercars ever. And having a, having a G-force sensor in there will give you a good idea of just what kind of insanity you're pulling off. But knowing Tesla, I could totally see that shipping on the final car as one of those fun, you know, only Tesla would do this kind of things. Uh, you know, what better way to show the car off to your friends and family than to do plaid launches and then have a G-Force rating to look at. Oh, we just pulled 1.3 Gs. How crazy is that? So uh, thank you for the call. Next up, Tim in Toronto. Uh, 
wants to move and see if he can bring his Model 3 with him. So, Tim, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. It's Tim from Toronto calling. I have a question about taking a Tesla overseas. Um, I do have a Tesla, and I was thinking of moving for job reasons to Australia, and I'm wondering if I should take my car with me. Um, I don't know. I wasn't able to find anything online, such as if the batteries are different or the charging uses different voltage or anything like that. Is it safe to charge overseas? Um, I saw some comments on forums and stuff about people potentially taking their cars to Europe for trips and stuff like that, but I didn't find any specific information. Um, Maybe you or any listeners have information about this. That'd be great. Thanks. Take care. So I looked this up, and Australia does use a different standard outlet with different power outlets than we do in America here, Tim. Rather than take anything definitive from me here, however, I would go ahead and contact Tesla about this and make sure to get official information from them. They may have adapters, or they may be able to recommend the correct adapters to go ahead and buy. I mean, I wonder if any of my Australian listeners might have any information or wisdom that they can share on this for you as well. I would say uh, best of luck to you on the big move. That is that is a big move. That's going to be super fun and quite an adventure. Uh, you'll have to get used to driving on op- the opposite side of the road from what you're used to driving on now. So uh, cheers, Tim. We've got a few more calls here. Let's say hi to Jeremy, not too far away from Australia. Jeremy in New Zealand uh, wants to talk about the quarterly conference call uh, recently as well as uh, a right-hand drive specific question. I guess it's fitting that this call follows the last one. Jeremy, take it away. Hi, Ryan. Jeremy Harris from Christchurch in New Zealand. Uh, first-time caller, long-time listener, and uh, Model 3 reservation holder. And I uh, just wanted to say love your show, keep up the great work, and uh, wanted to make a quick observation and ask a quick question. My observation relates to the your last week's show uh, and the comments you made on the quarterly earnings report and the fact that uh, Elon sounded a little bit terse or possibly even rude with a couple of the investors. And uh, one of the thoughts that crossed my mind was he sounded like a very, very tired, sleep-deprived parent that's uh, trying to raise a newborn child. And I suspect that's how he probably feels with uh, the amount of time uh, and effort he's been putting into the Model 3 and a reflection probably of his uh, sleep deprivation and uh, just his overall fatigue levels. I think he was probably just wearing a bit thin in terms of his patience by the time the uh, investor calls came around, and I think that was reflected to some extent in his approach towards them. My question relates to uh, the fact that in New Zealand we drive on the left-hand side of the road, and uh, hopefully the Model 3s will turn up towards the end of 2019. I'm planning on ordering it with enhanced autopilot. But it occurred to me that when I do, uh, they're not going to have as much data on uh, vehicles driving on the left-hand side of the road for their AI. And I was wondering if you, what your thoughts were or your listeners about whether or not the enhanced autopilot or full self-driving would take much longer to come out for right-hand drive vehicles than it currently does for left-hand drive vehicles, given the fact that they might need more time to gather uh, more driving data to bring it up to speed on that. Uh, anyway, that's uh, all I wanted to say. Thank you very much. Love your show, like I said, and uh, looking forward to the next one and many more to come. Keep up the great work. 
Congratulations, Jeremy. I think you might win this week's award for the farthest distance called in from. Uh, anyway, your question is a good one. For now, I'd suspect that it's not a big difference for autopilot because all autopilot is doing now is seeing the lines in the road and staying between them for the most part. But for the future, yes, it would definitely need some different logic. And as such, I, I would have to imagine that the technical side of things might not be ready as soon as it is for left-hand drive territories. But, but then again, even once the technical side is deemed ready, we're going to be hung up waiting for lawmakers and regulators to give it the official green light. I mean, potentially hung up. We don't know. Hopefully not. But So if New Zealand is more gung-ho about it than America or the UK or anywhere else, you guys could end up being first. I mean, it's that's totally up in the air as far as I can see it. Uh, I actually think there's a reasonable chance that the United States will not be the first territory in which Teslas are able to legally do level four full self-driving. We shall see. It's going to be interesting to track this. Next up, let's go to Mark, who uh, wants to talk a little Model 3. Let's see what's on his mind. Mark, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is Mark calling. Uh, you know, reaching out, just had some thoughts on the Model 3, and I think it's strange, especially after this last earnings call, that Tesla still really only has a $50,000 car on the market, and you know, it's basically looking at the $48,000 long-range battery with premium package, and when you add the deposit and delivery fee, it's really a $50,000 car, and you know, I'm hoping that Tesla considers day zero line-weighted customers when it comes to the tax credit. You know, perhaps some folks who did that are counting on the tax credit. They still want to add autopilot or they still want to add the premium package to the $35,000 version. Some of those things still bring you up about $40,000, so the tax credit would certainly help. And maybe some of those folks actually just want a $35,000 version of the car because that's what they can afford. And, you know, I've always had faith in Tesla and I kept my deposit with them for two years, hoping that they'd take care of us in terms of the tax credit. So fingers are crossed, but I have to admit that, you know, at some point I start to have my doubts, especially when we're hearing Elon talking the last earning call about delays with the Model 3 and you know, for years, guys like you and me were hanging on saying, this is the Model 3, this is the car that's supposed to be built specifically for ease of production. Uh, we made all these mistakes with the Model X. This is the easy car to build. And just the fact that it's taken so long to ramp up compared to what the original estimate was. So, um, like I said, I'm a huge supporter of Tesla. I'll keep my deposit in there and I'll, I'll buy as much as I can and support them. But just wonder if you're feeling that kind of hesitation or that doubt a little bit um, in terms of you know what you heard on the last call. Hope you're doing well. Dig the show. Take care, man. Thank you for this heartfelt call, Mark. And I'll be honest with you. I was where you are when the last delay happened earlier this year. That one really hurt me. I've made my peace with it personally, but I don't begrudge anybody who feels the way you do. And you're right. It's especially uh, tough for folks who waited in line on day zero to get that $35,000 Tesla. The good news there is that if there aren't any more delays, which is you know still a reasonable if at this point, there are no guarantees, then those day zero line waiters should 
have late 2018 delivery estimates for standard battery, which is what mine shows as somebody who waited in line. That means that hopefully, at the very least, those folks that waited to reserve this car sight unseen at that point in time, dreaming of that $35,000 version, can actually get it and still just barely slip in under the deadline for the full $7,500 tax credit. Fingers crossed on that one. Two more calls to take us home. Let's go next to Omar in Anaheim. Uh, wants to talk about autopilot and potholes. Omar, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. This is Omar calling from Anaheim, California. Just became a recent listener of your show. I have to say I absolutely love it. Um, after I, my wife and I became owners of our Tesla Model S, uh, this show has been a great uh, place to go for good information and advice. Uh, I had a question for you and perhaps your listeners. After the latest autopilot update rolled out, I noticed uh, significant improvements in how the car is driving. Uh, one thing that I've noticed, but I don't have a lot of uh, people talking about, is that I've actually noticed my car starting to avoid some potholes on my route to work back and I've had this happen a couple of times I'm trying to figure out if this is one of those things where uh, some kind of um, confirmation bias on my side uh, that I'm picking up on something that's not really there so I just wanted to put that out there to see if any of your listeners have also had this experience because if that is happening if that neural network that's uh, currently uh, learning and and starting to get better uh, through all of that fleet computing power that Tesla is not implying, uh, then that would be awesome because there's nothing like uh, hitting a pothole when the car is in autopilot to uh, scare the crap out of you. So love the show and uh, talk to you later. Bye. Welcome to the podcast, Omar, and thank you for calling in. As much as I would love to believe that the cars are capable of fleet learning where the potholes are and avoiding them on autopilot, I don't believe it to be the case yet. I don't think we're quite there. I've heard nothing about this, uh, but then again, I certainly don't want to dismiss you out of hand, but I will tell you that nothing I found specifically points to this as an actual part of autopilot's technological capabilities. So. Uh, I wonder if they just, you know, maybe one that you're used to hitting got filled in, so you're just cruising right over a repaired spot or, or what might be going on. But uh, I sure do hope that that is going to be something that the autopilot cars can can do some point at some point, which is properly avoid potholes wherever necessary. That, that would be a that would be a heck of a feature. That would be a great feature. Thanks for calling, Omar. And final call this week, last but most certainly not least, we've got Matt in Nova Scotia. He visited California for the first time recently and got to see some California sites and wants to talk about the future of Tesla. So, Matt, take us home. Hi, Ryan. Uh, Matt here from Nova Scotia calling. I just had two comments and a question. One I was just in California recently for the first time, and I stopped in at uh, In-N-Out Burger thanks to your suggestion, and it was it was good. Although I wish I'd known about the uh, the well done fries, which you mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Before they were good, but I like them well done as well. Uh, I also got to stop in at a Tesla place and see the Model Three for the first time, which was cool. And I also got uh, my invite to configure for my Model Three. 
unfortunately, I had to click defer until early 2019 for the standard battery, but that's fine. My, my question is just about uh, your thoughts on uh, Tesla's or, or Elon's allusion to the Model 4, which was in the, uh, the master plan part, de, which he later said would not necessarily be required due to the Tesla network. But now that we are seeing that the, the Tesla Model 3 is not truly an every man's car, it's, it's not a $20,000 car anyway, do you, do you think that they will build a Model 4? Just curious on your thoughts. Thanks for a great show. Bye for now. Great to hear from you, Matt. And I am very glad to hear that In-N-Out lived up to the hype that I created for you. Their fries are fine, but they're definitely not up to the incredible quality of the burgers in in most people's opinions. Anyway, uh, I honestly think it's impossible to predict at this point getting to your actual Tesla question. Because Tesla's priorities shift sometimes in in service of the mission, in pursuit of their mission. I think the short version to your uh, of an answer to your question would be if a $20,000 compact sedan, a Model 4 if you will, helps accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy, then yes, they'll build one in time. But as you noted, Elon is going to bet big on the Tesla network. And if the Model 3 continues to sell in huge numbers even after they're at full production, and which includes producing that $35,000 model, it remains to be seen what path Tesla is going to take. The Semi, the Roadster, and the Model Y are the currently known projects with the pickup truck being on deck after that. Those four things are almost certainly going to keep Tesla very, very busy into the next decade. So... We'll see what happens from there. I mean, that would be my take on it. If I had to guess myself, if I were guessing, and that is all it would be, would be guessing, I think there will eventually be a cheaper compact sedan with good, strong electric range, but I think it's going to be a very, very uh, long time out in, in, the, in the sense of very, I say very, very on sort of Tesla time. You know, Tesla is a nimble company that's, that's done a lot very quickly, in the grand scheme of automotive history, but I do think it's a Model 4 is probably a minimum of five years out, probably closer to 10 if it happens at all. Excellent stuff from everyone. Thank you all again so much for your calls. Please keep them coming. Record a question, comment, or discussion topic on your smartphone. Uh, Please try to keep it to a minute, minute and a half tops, and you can just email that file in. Uh, The podcast email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or remember, of course, you can just call in and leave a message on the toll-free Ride the Lightning hotline. And that number, again, is 1-888-989-8752. Be right back with some parting thoughts right after this. All right, time to get out of here. But before I do, I remind you that abstractocean.com has a 20% off coupon code for first-time customers. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout. They've got the tempered glass screen protectors. They've got a bunch of fun new products, a lot of lighting stuff, uh, a lot of accessories for you and your Tesla abstractocean.com. And then there's Immaculate Reflections. Find them at irdetailing.com. 
They are the Bay Area's premier paint correction and coating specialist. Uh, they've got, of course, paint correction, new car delivery, ceramic uh, coatings, including C-Quartz Finest Reserve, paint protection film. They're about 45 minutes from the Tesla factory. If you're taking delivery of that beautiful new Tesla and want to keep it looking as beautiful as possible for uh, the life of the car, be sure to stop by, look them up, see what they can do for you, see what makes sense for you and your car. Again, irdetailing.com there. They've got coupons, 10% off for listeners of this show with the coupon code RTL10, as well as a military discount for both current uh, military members and veterans as well with your military or veteran ID card. Uh, Let's see. Ah, you can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Find me on Patreon if you'd like to support the podcast, which uh, is very much appreciated if you if you uh, see fit to do that. Find more information about that on the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon being spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. You can do that on most of the major podcast services, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or pick up the individual MP3s as well as the RSS feed at the hosting site, which you can find at teslapodcast.libsyn.com. I want to close by thanking the wonderful Patreon producers. These are the, the very extraordinarily kind and generous folks that support me at the uh, $20 level or higher each and every month. Uh, those folks really do a lot towards, towards making this podcast happen, and their, their generosity is sincerely appreciated. Uh, I want to thank the newest one. That's Stefan Joris. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name correct, Stefan. Thank you so much. Alongside Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lee Sweet, Lars Hoffman, Orion Coates, Peter Chalet, Harold Plug, Kenneth Martin, Michael Callahan, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., David Kittle, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, and Luke Miles. Thanks to all of you for your continued support there. And I do believe that about wraps it up. So uh, should be plenty more to talk about on next week's show. Still had a had a busy one this week for sure. It's it's never a dull moment in the world of Tesla, which um, thank goodness I decided to do this as a weekly podcast right from the get go. Or I was like, well, how often should it be? Well, people, you know, they like the routine. Weekly is good, but man, is there going to be enough to talk about? And well, as time has gone on, there's only been more to talk about each and every week. I mean, remember back the, the, the shows in the very beginning, outside of the first episode where I gave my whole personal backstory as to why I was doing this, like the shows were 20, 30 minutes in the beginning. And now they've, they've, they're pretty regularly over an hour. It's pretty crazy. So, but it's good. It's, I like having all this fun Tesla stuff to talk about. They are, it's just a, it's an exciting time to be a Tesla fan to, for those of you who are Tesla owners, it's just a, it's a great fun time to be a part of the Tesla community. Cause you know, I, I think all of us 
I think it's fair to say, I think if I, I can speak for all of us here and say we're, we all feel like we're part of something special here in the, in, in the world of cars specifically. And, and maybe for some of us that extends to just a, a history and, and uh, automotive history. And, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So for Daisy the Boxer Puppy, who is currently chewing away on a bully stick and, and not sleeping, usually she's passed out right now, but for Daisy... I'm Ryan. I'm the one that talks. She's the one that just looks cute and chews things. (laughs) Uh, It's been an awesome week again here on Ride the Lightning, the unofficial Tesla podcast, episode number 146. I'll see you back here, of course, next week, every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern time. New show is going to come to you. Uh, So I will see you then. Happy electric motoring.